Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are truly a holy God. And God, as we stand here, just again, gathered together in your presence, Lord. God, we recognize our need for a savior. We recognize our need for you to meet us, Lord, in this place. God, as your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, as we have lifted our voices today in song and as we've lifted, Lord, what I pray are not just words on a screen, but Lord, our hearts before you to lay before you, Lord, that you would truly meet us here in this place. God, as we talked about last week in, in this sermon in, in Romans chapter 8 and how it talks about there's a groaning, that all creation is groaning, that we, we are calling out, we are crying out to you, Lord God, because we need to be set free, Lord God, from the ways of this world. God, may you reveal yourself to us this morning, Lord. May you show yourself just ever-present, Lord. For God, you tell us, Lord, that, that again, we have been made through Christ, Lord God, through the work of the cross, to become temples, Lord, to become places, Lord, for your spirit to dwell, that you are not some God far off, but Lord, that you dwell with your people in us and through us. And so, God, I pray that as we have, again, turned our hearts towards you this morning, God, that your word as it goes forward would land, Lord, on good soil, that it would land, Lord, in a place, Lord, that it would take root, Father God, that it would grow and, and be nurtured, Father. And God, that it would not just land in a place where we have a, the thought of it's just, that's, that's great, that sounds good, but God, that we would put it into application in our lives. And so God, that is our prayer tonight, or this morning. God, that is our prayer that you would truly, again, make that real to us. God, we thank you for what you have already done, Lord, in this service. God, for those here this morning, Lord, who walked into this place, Lord, carrying something, carrying a burden or a concern, Father God, I pray that in this moment, Lord God, that their view of you has become so great and so uh, prominent in, in front of them, Lord, that whatever that problem is, is able to be seen, Lord, for what it is and, and in its size in comparison, Lord, to who you are, the God of this universe the God who loves us, and the God who demonstrated that love by sending your son, Lord, to die for us. So God, we thank you. We thank you for what is in store through the remainder of this service. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence here. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Would you be seated? Well, good morning. You guys sound wonderful this morning, by the way. Um, I love it. I love it. I know I say it often, but I'm going to say it again. I just, it's, it's really neat up front because I can hear all of your voices. And just when you hear, you get to the, we get to that stride, right? Those songs where we're just all singing in unison. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you, how it sounds in the back, but it's just so encouraging to me. And I feel like it's a glimpse of heaven as we get to just hear God's people lift their voice to the Lord. And I, I just really pray that it's, it's a blessing to you. I just want to say a big welcome to anybody with us for the first time. Just welcome, and we hope that you'll just sit back and relax and just really be at home. We also want to invite all those that are joining us online this morning. Um, today, we're going to continue our series in, in Romans chapter 8. Um, for those of you who have been able to be with us the past few weeks, I hope that it's, it has continued to be a blessing. Uh, we do like to try to work through a lot of times we work through books of the Bible, but Romans being Romans, we would probably, it would probably take three to five years um, to get through that. So we just took chapter eight 
uh, this time around, and I hope it's encouraged you. I hope you've gone in and you know really read around even some of the chapters around chapter eight. And um, it's, it's just been, it's been an encouragement to me. I love to prepare uh, and, and to work through these things. And, you know, again, I hope that it, it will do the same for you. And if you've missed those, of course, you can go online. Um, we do have also, for those of you who do podcasts, we do have a podcast of our sermons. So if you sign up for that, they'll just kind of show up on your phone there magically, right? Just be deposited in there and they'll be available to you. So I do hope you'll go back and listen to those. <clears throat> you know, right now, we're, my family, and uh, we're just in a, I've had a lot of conversations recently, and it seems to go uh, a lot of times around my children, uh, my kids. Sorry, Noah, I don't know where it's going to go, but you're here nonetheless. So, um, but, but no, actually, this is about our, our youngest, uh, our two-year-old, Levi. If you haven't seen him, just look for the little bowling ball that kind of goes around uh, the church here. But he's just full of life, full of energy. He's a, he's a lot of fun. And, and, I, and I love that age, right, because they're, they're just discovering so many things. They're kind of, kind of getting all these wins. I mean, he's, he's up and down the stairs all the time now. You know, the, I mean, he, like, like, runs up and down the stairs. He's done a few slides down the stairs uh, that weren't really pretty. But, um, but he's learning and he's discovering. And, and also even his, his speech, right, he's starting to, to, to say words. And even he, he makes these efforts to create sentences and phrases, and one of the things that we've always tried to instill in our children uh, at the dinner table, one, we, one, first of all, we do try to sit down uh, every day for dinner and have a meal. And I would just challenge any of you who are still raising kids, make that a, a precedent because it's really important. It's a great place to connect. Um, and so it's not always perfect. It's not always pretty. And, you know, we're kind of just throwing things on the table sometimes. But we do try to just take that moment to, to sit down with each other. But one of the things we've always tried to instill in our kids is when they wrap up their meal... We want them to say, may I be excused, please, right? And I know for a lot, you know, sometimes I watch other, you know, kids just kind of show up when they want, they leave when they want. You know, we try to just say, you know, you need to ask to be excused, not just get up when you feel like it and walk away. And so we're working on Levi with this, right? <laughs> exactly, you're laughing, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It is. You don't know what's going to happen or what's going to come out. He doesn't understand the concept. Um, we do still have a seat, fortunately, that has straps, so he is secured, though they, they are put to their test sometimes. Um, but, and he'll just get done, and he'll just say, who might say one random word out of that phrase, please, or ex excuse, he'll say excuse. And, you know, we'll stop and say, like, may, he's like, may, I, I, be, and he says be, and he's like, excuse, please. You know, he just, like, he's, he's figuring out we're trying to get him to say the whole sentence, though, and we'll get there one day. But, you know, if you, if you can recall back or if you've ever dealt with kids in that, that age or whatever as they're learning, you know, there's something about, again, you know, we're, we're trying to, to, to help him. We're trying him to help him, you know, figure out how to work that. And when he gets stuck in places, and again, you know, my tendency as a father, even with my other kids, when they're learning something, we can kind of just jump in and just do it, right? Because for the sake of time, because we're always in a hurry, but it's so much better, right? And I know all of you have probably done a much better job at it than I have, but to, to pause and kind of just help them get through it versus just doing it for them. And, you know, I don't know about you, but in my life I found even still to this day, not so much in saying, may I be excused, please, but, but, but in, in a lot of the areas of life and, and when the challenges come, I, I find myself getting stuck at times. I find myself in need of help or assistance. 
You know, uh, earlier this year, as, as many of you know, you know, Leanna's mother just out of the blue, uh, she, she passed away. And we, you know, we had no time to plan for this, this scenario, this situation. Um, you know, we got the phone call and you just kind of leap into action, right? We're trying to get her there as quickly, you know, Leanna get her down there. Um, her mom was in the hospital and that, she was fading very quickly. And she unfortunately was able, Lena was able to get there uh, just to, to, to spend some time just, you know, before her mom passed. But in those moments, and I, and I don't know how, how you are, but in those moments, sometimes I don't, I don't know exactly how to pray, right? Because in one sense, you know, the initial, and, and, and believe me, I pray these prayers and that, you know, you're like, God, fix this. <laughs> you know, make it right. Don't. Don't let her go right now. It's not supposed to be going down like this. You know, she's, she's not that old. We're just getting, getting in like this stride where our relationship is in a great place. And we've, she just retired and she's going to be coming up to visit all the time. You know, and, and she said, you know, get ready because you're going to be sick of me. You know, and so we had all this anticipation of what was supposed to be. And now we're in this moment where it's, it's not going to go the way we thought it would. And so you're, you're, you get in this place of how do I pray now? Because again, we, we want this, this to continue. We want this relationship to go on. But then we also recognize that God, his will is, is, is greater than ours. And so we come to these places where, and for me and for my family and for this time of just, Lord, I don't know. I, I don't know what to pray at this point. I experience this, experience this oftentimes as well, like when I'm called into a, to a scene or to a setting where somebody's not doing well or there's a sudden tragedy and I have to walk into maybe even sometimes a family I don't really know or to a situation I don't know and you know, I'm, I'm asking God the whole way, Lord, sh- show me how to pray in this moment. Because sometimes God's plan is to heal that person but sometimes God's plan is to, to bring that person into eternity, and that's their ultimate healing, right? And so it's difficult. And I, just, I wonder, I wonder if, if you're here this morning and, and you've experienced situations like this. Can you think of a time where you've, you've maybe walked into a situation or maybe a time when you've been the one in that situation and you're just not sure how to pray? You're not sure what, what to say, and if you have, I want you to, again, pause in this moment. I want you to think of a specific time. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're in that situation. Maybe you're asking God, God, I don't know. I don't know how this works now. I don't know what to say. I need help. You see, the reality of these moments, and some of us, I think, have a hard time admitting it, is that there are times in our life where we need help. Sometimes it's from other people, but oftentimes in the first place we need to go is to God and say, Lord, I need your help in this moment. Even in situations where we might think we have it figured out, we need to say, Lord, help me. Help me to see what and discern what your will is here and now. And as we learned last week, that walking through suffering, it's a part of what it looks like to walk this earth, right? That we will walk through suffering at times. Because this earth is in bondage to corruption due to the fall of man that that took place in the garden long, long ago and in the Garden of Eden. 
And that's what we, we experience it. We can't, it, it, it kind of splashes on us, doesn't it? Like it, it's just, it's part of walking this earth and walking through this life and our time here on this earth. We will go through suffering at some point. But if you recall last week, and again, as we go through some of these struggles, as we go through some of this suffering here on earth, the beauty as, as, as the ones who know Christ as Lord and Savior and who are found in Christ Jesus, as we would say, is that while we walk through that suffering and those challenges, we do so with something. We do so with hope. That it's, it's not for an eternity. It's not going to be forever. And that there's always something on the horizon that God is leading us to. And so as we go through suffering on this earth, especially if you call yourself a Christian and a believer, and especially if you call yourself a follower of Christ, the world is watching how we walk through suffering. And let me tell you, and let me encourage you in this today too, if, if that is you today, or if it's not today, if it's, it will happen again at some point in your life here on earth, I want to encourage you because that can be one of the greatest testimonies and one of the greatest examples is how you walk through those times. I was in the, as many of you know, I was in the military and there was a, a time when I did almost eight months as uh, uh, to do like funerals, right? To do the flag folding and, and all that stuff, the rifle volleys and it's called funeral detail and we did that and some of the, the, the most amazing times, you know, because I, I came in and I was in my uniform, so they didn't know that I was necessarily a, a Christian at that point, uh, you know, the family that we were dealing with. And the, I remember one specifically, and uh, I, I had to actually, I was the one that actually presented the flag to the family, to the widow. And those, those were very difficult moments, I'll tell you that. You know, you learn your job, you learn to do it well, and, you know, carry yourself in such a way. But it was just, it was hard because it was such a raw moment. But I remember this, this one incident, and, and the, the widow came up to me afterward, or came up to the team. We were all standing there. And she was, she just, she started to, she shook our hands, and then she started to share the gospel message with us. <laughs> Because she saw just these young, you know, this young, these young guys, and there was a couple of girls there too, and they, these young people in the military, and you know, she didn't know where we were, if we were believers or not. But the poise in which she carried herself, and even the strength that came through while she was mourning the loss of her husband, was staggering. Because it made no sense, right? It made no sense that she should be like that or even thinking about us while she's going through this time. But what it was, it was the spirit of God that was in her, giving her the strength, giving her the words to say, and giving her the eyes to see an opportunity to share with this team of soldiers an eternal truth that they needed to hear. And so it was an amazing testimony that went far beyond the words that she actually spoke because I honestly can't tell you exactly what she said, all of it, I just remember the impact of her actions in that moment, and it stuck with me. So what I would like to do today is we're going we're gonna to go back into Romans chapter 8, and if you have your Bibles, you can go there. But with all this in front of us and with this idea that we will walk through times of suffering, we talked about that last week, we do so with hope. And we even, it was even compared to the, the, that of birthing a child. Do you remember that? That there were these groans and there was this process. And 
Because why? Because there's life that's going to come at the other end of that pain. And so that's, that was the approach, and that was some of the picture of what we had. But I, I just want to have a quick read of, of some of the verses prior as we lead into where we're going to go today. Today we'll be in Romans 8 and beginning in verse 26, but I want to back up to verse 18 as we lead in just so we can get a running start. So if you have your Bibles, Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth... The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons. And again, for you and for me, those who have professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have that deposit, those first fruits of the Holy Spirit within us. And it goes on, and it says, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved... Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so again, there's this idea not just of going through difficult times or going through suffering because we're on this earth, but it's how we go through those things, right? That we can do so with hope and we can do so with patience. And another word is expectation of what God is bringing forth. And so we're going to see today as we, we move forward now, beginning in verse 26, that God, again, he's, he's taught us and that there, he's, he's revealed to us that there's someone else who helps us. And so in verse 26, he says, it begins, likewise, the Spirit helps us. You know, some of the, that, that what I shared in my prayer already, but, and I've also even just kind of touched on it a little bit is that we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And he promises to help us in our weakness. So again, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, God, the Father, who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, and listen to this, according to what? To God's will, to the will of God. And let me just tell you today, that's a big part of sometimes why you don't see some things answered in your life. Our first priority when we approach God, when we come to God in prayer, is first to discern what is his will in this situation. Right? That's where we have to start. Because if you're not praying in accordance with his will, guess what's going to happen, or should I say not happen? You're not going to get your way, right? I just heard some people's feelings in here, I can tell. That's okay. But it's true, we have to pause and, and say, God, show me what is, your, what is your desire, what is your will in this situation? And sometimes it's, it's hard, and sometimes it, it's not what we think it should be. Isn't that crazy that the God of this universe might have a different approach than what we think? I don't know what to think of you guys right now. You're all quiet, staring at me. 
It's like a cow looking at a new gate right now. I don't. So hopefully I'm preaching okay here. Do I have something in my teeth or anything? Are we good? Okay. But it's true. We have to discern what God's will is, the will of God. And so we see here at the beginning of, in verse 26, as, as we, we, we got into this uh, passage, likewise, again, the Holy Spirit is, is groaning with us. Remember what we read beforehand about this groaning. It was showing creation and this groaning, how it's longing to be re- released and, and renewed and restored to what it was supposed to be. And so we, we, that same sort of birthing process, that idea or that picture is what's being carried over now that, again, the Holy Spirit is in the same way. That's why it's saying, likewise, the Holy Spirit groans with us. Notice that Paul does not say that the Holy Spirit, sorry, I'm going to hurt your feelings some more. Um, The Holy Spirit removes, it doesn't say that he removes our weakness. Man, doesn't that stink? (laughs) I'll be honest with it. You know, that's just a part too. Like I just would have liked the weakness to be gone. Like, can you just take the weakness away? That would be, be awesome. But it doesn't say that. He, He doesn't say that he removes it. And, you know, actually, if, we, if we're honest, we spend the span of our lives here on earth in varying conditions of weakness, don't we? As painful as that is, that's the first step, right, is to say it or to, right, in recovery, is to admit it. Say, I'm, we're weak. <laughs> it, hurts, it hurts my feelings, too. But we spend our lives in varying conditions of weakness, but here's some good news, all right? Let me bring it around now. But remember that nowhere in the Bible does it say that weakness is a sin, okay? Weakness is not a sin. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Again, this is, this is Paul speaking, and he's, he's referencing his thorn in the flesh, if you've read through that before. He's talking about that here. And so, you know, God is telling him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Man, again, it really says that. It says it. I'm sorry. But it says it. <laughs> I'm not really sorry. But it says it nonetheless. And it continues, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. Do you see what this is? He's not just saying he has weakness. He's like, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Where in the world would you ever hear that? Ever, right? If you're on a sports team, say like you played for the Bears, right? (laughs) Anybody watching the game later today? I will be. Um, are you going to throw it to the guy that has no hands? Like, yeah, yeah that guy can't catch the football out. Put, put him in at receiver and throw it to him because he really is bad. <laughs> right? You can't find anywhere else. Oh, yeah, let's go to that restaurant over there because, you know, the chef there really stinks. He's just, he makes horrible food. It's all greasy. It's bad. You're probably going to get sick, but let's go there because he's really weak at his chefing, Right? Nowhere else will you find that. But here in Scripture, and this is where, again, all throughout, this is how God does things, right? The last shall be first, all that kind of stuff. The, the least is the greatest. It's, it's the upside-down kingdom is what we call it. This is what God does. And so this is how he does it. So it's in his weakness. And so Paul's saying, I will boast more gladly of my weakness so that, here it comes, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, 
persecution, and calamities. That's just a real nice sandwich, isn't it, of just wonderful things. But he finishes, for when I am weak, then I am strong. While it hurts your feelings, I hope that encourages you somewhere. It encourages me because I know there are plenty of areas where I fall short. And if I forget, my wife is right there to remind me. (laughs) It's her job. It's part of the job description as wife. But we fall short all the time, don't we? And there are these places where we, where we are weak, but again, this is, I love this. I live in this verse. I live it out every day. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And again, what he's saying here is not that in himself that he is made strong, but that it is Christ through him, that is by the Spirit of God moving through him. And in those places where our strength has to fade to the back because it doesn't exist, it's then that the Spirit of God can push forward. And then guess who can accomplish things better than us? God. <laughs> And how many times do we miss it because we try to fake the funk? That's a theological phrase. We fake the funk and we try to come across as we're strong or we've got this under control because we don't want to be embarrassed when inside we have no clue what we're doing. And where, whereas what Paul is saying is I'm just honest here and I'm, I, I don't have this all together But the beauty of it is that puts me in the exact place I need to be because then the Spirit of God can do something amazing. How many have been in a conversation, especially with some kind of eternal weight or or maybe some sort of spiritual conversation, and you walked away? I know we always talk about the ones we walk away from saying, I wish I would have said that. But how many times, and hopefully at least once, I know it's happened to me, but you walk away, or for me, even sometimes when I'm up here preaching, I'm like, somebody will say, like, that, 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 you know, what you said here, or this or that. I'm like, "I, I don't even know where that came from. But, it, but they'll say, but it really ministered to me. It's a moment of choice. I say, well, you know, I pull those out of my back pocket every now and then. I, you just be blessed and take that with you this week. That's what my flesh wants to do. But I'll tell you very quickly, I just say, praise God. <laughs> Because somehow he spoke to you and, and spoke to you in a very real way that it was not from me, right? And who gets the glory in that moment? Yeah, exactly. So the Spirit is there, God, the Spirit of God is there, and the Spirit is there to help us, right? He is, he is there to help us. John 16, 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Again, this is, uh, this is Jesus talking. This is, again, is another bizarre if you just approach it, you're like, what in the world? Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage that I go away, right? No one would ever say that. Jesus, would you leave? But Jesus is saying it's good. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Guess who the helper is? It's the Holy Spirit. And even Jesus himself said, it's good that I go. Why? Because Jesus at that time was in a physical body and could only be where he was. The Holy Spirit dwells amongst us and in us. And so Jesus himself said, it is good that I go. So the Holy Spirit is called this, the helper. I'm trying to figure out my notes here because it says, why can't he be called the do-it-himselfer? Um, but the reason is, 
it's because that's what we would like to do, right? We would like, I'll, let me just talk about me. I would like to just hand it off to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you do that, take care of all that, right? But a lot of times what you see is, is the Holy Spirit wants to work in cooperation with us, right? That we have the privilege to, to partner with God, with the Holy Spirit, and to be used. Well, can he do it himself? Yes. Okay, let me just be clear there. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. But because God is amazing and awesome, he makes it so where we can walk and, and be a part and do things partnered with the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? It's beautiful. It's great. It's wonderful. And so, again, we have to understand that, 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 that the Holy Spirit has come to, again, be our helper. Now, there's this, this term here, groanings, and we talked a little bit, I think, about it last week. It says, you know, for we do not know what to pray for as we all, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, here the Spirit is not said to only groan. Again, like when you stub your toe or something like that, you know, and you're like, oh, you're not, that's not what the Holy, that's not what it's saying the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit here, though, is he is interceding with or in groans, and these may well be those of the believers. So sometimes, again, the Holy Spirit is, is, is ministering or, or is praying and is, is, is interceding on our behalf, and sometimes there are these, these groans. But understand that these, these are not just sounds or noises, just random, that the Holy Spirit is interceding through those. And I've experienced this a few times in my life when there's been very weighty things. Like, I just, it's just like, I just feel like you're, you're that, I can't say I know what it's like to birth somebody, um, contrary to popular belief nowadays, but I can't do that. And, but it's, it's this groaning, like God is just doing something and, and, it, and, it, and it comes through. And, you know, it seems that here Paul is trying to convey that when we are in moments, the, the deepest moments of trial and suffering, and we do not know how to pray, the Spirit takes these groanings and makes them effective intercession on our behalf. Thank God for that, right? Like, I don't even have to get the words right. <laughs> it's not on me. There are times, I mean, just where you're just in this deep you know, uh, this, this persecution or these moments where you're just like collapsing. You're just like, ah, and, God, and the Holy Spirit's like, I can take that. I'll use it and goes, right? And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You think of like, I think of my children and if there was a moment and, you know, where they're in danger, or there's something happening and they make that sound, you know, what is your instinct as a parent? It's to, to, to do something, right? You move. I don't need them to say, excuse me, Father, I'm about to fall off this cliff. Could you please make time in your schedule to come save me? No, they're like, Bleh! and I'm like, I got it, let's go, you know? That's how the Holy Spirit works. In verse 27, it says, and he who searches hearts, again, God, searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the, Holy, of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is there and he's always present, and he's interceding on our behalf according to God's will. Romans 8, 28, a very, very, very popular scripture, a very, you know, uh, unfortunately, very misquoted scripture, um, unfortunately, but one that will probably sound familiar. And it, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. How many have heard that one before? How many have seen like an athlete or something, you know? 
Like these are, this is gonna, I'm gonna win this game. They also say, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like, whatever, okay? There's, there's, we wanna be good stewards of God's word. And the thing that, you know, we, we can misunderstand here is that it doesn't mean that everything is gonna be hunky-dory fine in life. Does it say all good things? No. It shows how amazing and how great God is because he can take all things, even the bad stuff, even the suffering, even the things of this world, he can take all of those, right? And it can work together for good, but is it for everybody? No, right? What does it say? It says, for those who are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't apply to everybody. And this, you know, if, if you're here today and you, you've not made that profession of faith in Christ today, that's great and you're, you're welcome here, but I wanna encourage you that you know, there can be a, a place in this relationship with Jesus where even you go through these hard times in this world, but it can, it can, it can mean something. It can be worth something because God is with you and he will walk through it and he'll do something in you and he'll refine you in such a way that, again, it makes those things worth it. This, this phrase that says, we know, right? In the original text, it means to observe and therefore perceive now. The tense being used here indicates it's a past completed action with continuous results that brought us to now. Another way to say it is that we have observed and therefore now we know. Guess what? The leaves are off the trees outside. Guess what we can confidently say is coming? I know you don't want to say it. You don't have to say it out loud. Does somebody say summer? <laughs> Let's kind of skip, skip over the spring. Spring's there. Winter's coming, right? Why do we know? Well, because we've been here before, right? <laughs> we've been here before. You know, I've been at home getting all the outside stuff put away and covered, and we're hunkering down. Why? Because we know what's coming, because we've been here before. It's, it's known, and that's, that's what, you know, the, Paul the Apostle's writing here is that we know this. It's not a, you know, like a now, like, oh, I'm going to kind of figure this out, or I, in faith, I know this. No, it's, we've seen the track record, God's track record. We've seen it work out before. And this is why, again, it's, it's, it's also important for us, and we talked about this in the, our next steps class this morning, about, you know, the importance of, you know, we don't do stack, you know, we don't stack stones much anymore as monuments, uh, maybe in your house or whatever. I don't know if you do this, but... The reason they used to do that, whenever God would do something amazing, they would, they would make a monument. They would stack stones a lot of times. Why? So that every time they walked by that, they would be reminded of God's faithfulness or what God did at that place. And so it's important for us today, again, to realize when, when, when Paul is saying here that we know for those who love God, all things work together for good, means that, oh, I remember that time when the whole world was on fire and, and, and everything was going wrong, but I'm still here today because God sustained me and walked with me. So why wouldn't I today believe that God is going to do the same thing? Right? God is faithful. You understand that? To use the words of my, my Bible school teacher, Dr. David Watson, life is not fair, but God is always faithful. God is faithful. Always, he will always be faithful. He will never leave you or forsake you. You know, as we recap that verse from last week, it led to this point 
those verses, they revealed that Paul is reflecting on the problem of evil and suffering in our world since the beginning. Again, we see it all around us, don't we? Evil and suffering. We still see the images coming through. You know, we see evil and suffering of everything going on overseas in, in uh, Israel. Evil and suffering. But we don't have to look over there. It's, it's here too. We see it all the time. And so Paul, again, he's, he's reminding us that, that, through that, that that's happening, but that the Spirit of God is with us and that he's working all things for good. You guys still with me? Okay, I'm gonna kinda, we're going to start on the home stretch here, right? We're turning towards home. I want you to stay with me because we're going to, we have to go to some deeper waters here. Are you ready? Got their floaties on. Okay. So we're going to get into just uh, some, some stuff, and some of you are going to love this. Some of you are going to be like, man, what's for, for lunch today? But just try to stay engaged for, for a minute. Um, verse, uh, Romans 8, and again, verse 29 through 30. Let's, let's ease into this, and we're just going to start with this first phrase. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, right? This is a loaded, some of you are laughing because you're not standing up here with a microphone in front of everybody. <laughs> like, let's see how he handles this one. So that's why I sit by the kitchen door, by the way. It's like my, it's like my bat, bat my escape door, should things get too bad. Um, I like that it's a kitchen, too, because I can grab a snack while I'm running out the door. But, so here's the deal. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So let's deep dive just on a few things. For some of us here, we're not, and I, I'm going to have to take some time to unpack some of these words, because there's terms here that are used. You may be familiar with it, you may not. Depending on what vein of Christianity you come from, they mean different things. And so I'm going to have to just navigate some things together with you. So let's start with this word, foreknew. For whom he foreknew, right, foreknew. When it comes to this term, a lot of people think there's only two schools of thought here, right? The first one is the classical Arminian concept of foreseen. If you don't know what Arminian is, it's okay. This is a, it's a vein of Christianity. And, and, and so I just, we don't need to deep dive on that right now. I just, I don't have the time, but just go with me. So in that vein of Christianity, Arminian, this foreseen, it's, it's that God saw through the corridors of time who would believe and choose the, and he chose those individuals based on their foreseen faith. So again, if you're in the Armenian camp, whether you know it or not, you have the flag or you don't, um, what that's saying is that God could see throughout eternity and he knew those who would come to Christ um, on their own, you know, that, that, but that would make that decision. And so this is, this, this, if you're in that camp, this is what this foreknew would mean to you. Now, on the other side, I would say there's a Calvinist, which is Calvinist Reformed doctrine, and this concept, what they would say is foreordained, right? Foreordained. God set his love, and this is what this means, God set his love on certain unconditionally pre-selected individuals before the world began. He foreloved and effectually works to change their hearts so that they want to come to him for salvation. So again, Ar Arminian, you would say it's, it's a free will doctrine, is what, meaning that people have free will to choose, uh, whereas the Calvinist side would say that it's, we, we can't choose unless God does something through us. His spirit comes into us and allows us to choose and he chooses some, and he doesn't choose others, okay? So those are the two big schools of thought, especially here in the West, in the Western church. Now, there's an, a third one that I want to bring to your attention today, and this one's a little simpler option. 
and uh, it's often overlooked because of some of the, the, mod, in the well, in some of the modern theological circus, circles, I said circuses almost, I don't mean that, don't take offense to that. If you do, send me an email, and I'll delete it. But anyway, um, there's those two schools of thought, but I think there's another one too. And, and so this one would say this word, again, when we're talking about, you know, for those who he foreknew, this would be translated where it was formerly known or known before. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Paul is simply referring to saints of old and former times who loved God and were known by him. All right? Paul said, the man who loves God is known by God. Well, okay, I know people, you know people. That's not the kind of known we're talking about. Let me read Romans uh, from chapter 11. Again, just a little further back, a couple chapters. Uh, verse 2 and 4, it says, Don't you know what Scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me? And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their, the knee to Baal. Again, so we see here in this passage that those mentioned here, like Elijah, they loved God, even, but this is before Christ came, right? There was a love for God, and so they were known by God. And if they were known by God, they were loved by God. Let me try to explain that a little bit. So this word known, oftentimes in, in uh, Scripture, you'll see a man knows a wife. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay. So I'm trying to be sensitive here, but, you know, it's known. And, and what, that, what that entails, though, it's, it's much deeper than a physical act, you know, for that. And that's what really marriage is about, right? It is the closest thing on this earth that you will see what the relationship with God is supposed to be like. It is a closeness that goes beyond any type of friendship. It, it's not like, you know, I know my wife different than I know anybody else in this world, Right, because we are, we are. It says that we are when two, when a husband and wife join together in marriage. What do they become? One. One. <laughs> that is a pretty close relationship, right? <laughs> we can agree with that. So, so it's important to understand. So, this is what is saying, you know, is that that God knew them. He foreknew them, or He knew them in this way before, uh, before Christ. And so, again, wherever you land on those three. That's, that's between you guys. And, and honestly, you can land on any of those three and we're, we, can, we can high five and be cool, right? We may have some fun conversations at times, but it's okay. It's okay, there's a place for you here. But, um, but I think it's important for us to understand that there is a, a different way to look at it. And I think that's, that's where I would tend to lean into a little bit is that God is speaking about those who had come before that he knew in that way that had, close, had a close relationship. Second term, another fun one, it's predestined, right? Predestined. So again, remember the point of the apostle leading up to this verse. And again, this is where a lot of these terms get misused, is they're not taken in the full context of what's being said, or it's, it's ignored. And so, you know, referring to what, what Paul had written up to this point, remember he was talking about the futility and suffering that has come into this world due to the fall of humanity to sin. So remember that, right? We've talked about that. And so here in verse 28, he provides comfort by reminding his readers of the trustworthiness of God for those who have loved him through the generations. So he's writing to his brothers and sisters, and they would have known all of this, this lineage, all of this story up to this point. And so he's referencing all of these things. And so they understand what God and how God has been faithful. 
And he's reminding that, that God will redeem the suffering and evil for a good purpose in their lives, just as he had done in the lives of those who known and loved throughout the previous generations. Remember what I talked about before, how we, we, we stand here now, we know, we've seen God's faithfulness. And so Paul is, is, is sharing with them, he's been faithful then, he will continue to be faithful until we are in eternity. It is these who God previously knew, the Israelites who loved God in the past, who were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ, so as to make the way for his coming. Remember that Christ was a, he came out of Israel and that lineage. And so it's, it's, it's important for us to, to grasp that and that God had predestined that plan and put it in place. And God planned to accomplish salvation for those who were previously known and loved. So those who came before Christ, I don't know if you ever think about this. Some of, some of us who are nerdy and like theology and stuff think, you know, wow, so what happened to the ones that came before Christ? Have you ever thought about that? Right? They didn't have that opportunity. Christ wasn't in this, on the scene yet. He hadn't died on the cross. And so, again, that's, that's what we're looking at here, that those who had previously known and loved by God, you know, let's take Abraham, Moses, David, by conforming them into the image of the very one coming to purchase their redemption. And so, again, this is the ultimate example of God causing all things, going back to that verse, all things to work together for good. I don't know if you ever looked at the lineage and read through the Old Testament. There's some pretty... Crazy parts in there, right? But God was using all those things to work together for good for those saints who had loved him or were called by him. And so God's saying that God worked together the redemption of their souls and he will do the same for whoever loves him. So I'm not here to, you know, if you're an Arminian, I'm not trying to pull you to the Calvinist side. If you're not Calvinist, I'm not trying to pull you to the Arminian side. And then there's this third, this third uh, you know, uh, traditionalist kind of in the middle uh, place as well. That you work out, and if you want to have a conversation sometime, I'll be happy to do that. But what I want you to see now as we finish out here in 29 and 30, we're going to wrap up here. It goes on and it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I want you to look at how many words end in ED here. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so he, again, being God, he's predestined those to become conformed to the image of the Son. As scholar N.T. Wright, he writes it this way. Here is the note of, of hope which has been sounded by implication so often since it was introduced back in chapter five, verse two, which is the hope for the renewal of all creation, right? what we've talked about. And a great act of liberation for which the exodus from Egypt was simply an early type. And we talk about this, all of the stuff in the Old Testament, it's types, we call it types and shadows. Meaning, so Israel coming out of Egypt is a type of us as believers being called out of the world. Egypt representing the world. Israel, those of us who are called to be, to be believers. Moses is a type or a foreshadow of Jesus being our mediator, right? Did you all know that? If you didn't, you're, you can take that with you. You can mention that one to me at the door when you're leaving, okay? So, but, it's, but that's, that's what all of, of it's going back to, right? Remember Isaac, when, when he was going to be sacrificed, he walked up the mountain with what? wood on his back to lay himself down on the altar. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Somebody else carried a wooden crossbeam up the top of a hill 
to voluntarily lay himself down. That was Jesus. So all those Old Testament stories are pointing towards what was to come. So as a result, all that Israel hoped for, all that is based its all that it based its hope on is true of those who are in Christ Jesus. So listen, I just need you guys to do me a favor today. Can you do that? So if you go back about two years ago, go to so you're gonna go to the website. You guys writing this down? You're gonna go to the website, go into the sermon archive and go back to the the Bible doesn't say that series. And there's one on Romans 8, 28. Because there's, there's justification, sanctification, glorification. John, do you want to come up and run those down for us? I'm just kidding. It's, I know you could. But for the sake of time, I want you to go. Because, listen, it's, it's important. All right, let me just be serious here, if I can, can for just a few minutes. Um, we need to understand what these, these are, right? You don't have to be a Bible scholar, but you need to understand. Because also, another thing, too, is more and more today, people will use terms that are familiar to us but they have very different meanings, okay? And I'm telling you this right now because I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it very clear, even in, you know, I, I meet sometimes with, um, in groups or I'm in, at a place where there's other pastors and to hear some, some of the things they say, I'm like, what do you mean by that exactly? Because it's, and that's what the enemy does, right? It's not gonna be like this opposite thing, it's gonna be just a drift a little bit off of what it's supposed to be. And so again, so those, that it talks about being justified and sanctified and glorified you know, again, justified is Jesus, what he did on the cross to make it possible for us uh, to, to come into relationship. Being sanctified is the process we're all in now, becoming more like Christ, and one day we'll be glorified, right? That means we'll be in eternity, and we'll have our new bodies and be fully. That was it. But you still need to go listen to the sermon, because it's really good. Okay? Okay. So let's, let's just kind of wrap here. So in closing... Okay, Pastor Dow, you just went like Mach 4. What I want you to, to take away is this, and, and, and again, all of this, what we talked about earlier and what I've said earlier even was just, you know, if we just hear these things and we, do, we don't do anything or we don't make application, then it's really, what's, what's the purpose, right? What's the reason that we even want to know these things? But today... You know, the big takeaway I want you to, to, to walk away from is that we have this, this promised helper, the Holy Spirit, that we were not left as, as orphans. We were not left abandoned when Jesus left the earth. And that, that was the thing that the, the disciples just struggled with. They, they didn't know because they didn't know what it looked like for the Holy Spirit to come. And they're like, Jesus, you know, go through the emotion with them. You know, first watching their Savior, watching this, this, this man, you know, the Son of God that they walked with and they lived with and they experienced life with for three years, died and he was, he was crucified on a cross. Think about that. Think about what they were feeling inside. Only then, for a few days later, he shows back up alive. Right? So we're like, woo. And then he's like, I'm punching out. I'm leaving. <sighs> right? I mean, do you ever stop to think about, like, the emotional mountain and valley, the, di the distance? But he left them with those words, like, it's, it's okay that I leave. I'm, I'm not going to leave you alone. I promise that the Holy Spirit will come, the comforter, the helper. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? <laughs> the Holy Spirit showed up, didn't he? He showed up. 
and he equipped those, those fishermen and the, those, those, those tax collectors, the common people that, at that time to do amazing and powerful, great things, of which we are sitting here today as a result of that on the other side of the world. And it continues. Because the Holy Spirit is still working and he's still using normal people that make mistakes and that are weak like you and like me. Thank you. Praise God. <laughs> There's hope for you. There's hope for me. And that's what we can hold on to today. That's what we can apply today. And then let me ask you this question. That's for you, but what would happen if all of us in this room, all of us in this, in this place right now, lived our lives in such a way that it, it demonstrated that we truly believe that with all of our heart? What would our church look like? What would our community look like? The 12 disciples, I mean, I mean, there was more, but just say 12. <laughs> In a day, I mean, they came out of the room, the upper room, and thousands of people came to know the Lord that, in that moment. Thousands. Why? Because they chose to step out and they chose to step in and they chose to trust the Lord that even in their weakness that God was going to do something amazing. What weakness do you have today that God can do something through? Let's pray. Father God, we acknowledge you today as our Savior. We acknowledge that you are God, that you are Lord, that we cannot do, do most things on our own. And even the places that we think we're strong, Lord God, we, we realize that we need you. We need the spirit, your spirit living in us to, to do great things. And so, God, I just pray for each one here today in this room within the sound of my voice, those who are watching online, anybody that may hear this even in the future, Lord God, down the road when they come to listen to this message. God, if that person does not know you as Lord and Savior, if, they, if they've not made that profession of faith, God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir their heart to do that. That I would pray, Lord, that, that there would be a desire to experience, Lord, what it is to be in relationship with you, that, to, to, to by your spirit, that your spirit would come and dwell within us. God, that we may walk through this life. Again, not that everything's gonna change around us, Lord, but that within us and having your spirit and having that assurance, Lord God, of our salvation and an eternity with you, Lord, is what gives us hope to persevere. God, that you would give us the strength, Lord God, to impact, Lord, the world around us. God, that you would give us a boldness beyond of our, our own capacity, Lord God, to share the good news with others. And God, if somebody's within the sound of my voice this morning, Lord God, that do not know you, I pray that today would be that day, that you would, you would, you would profess that, that Jesus is Lord, that you would confess that, that you, you've fallen short. We all have. <laughs> We've all fallen short but you have to confess today that you need to be saved, that you need a savior, you need Jesus to come into your life, that you may have a relationship with him, that you believe that he went to the cross and he died for your sins and for my sins, and that he was buried on the third day, he rose again. That invitation is yours this morning. And the question is, is will you respond? Much like the sun passing over the bed of flowers and as those flowers and those creation turns and follows, God is, is passing by today. Jesus is passing by today. My question is, is will you respond to him? He's calling you. And if that's you, I pray that you pray that prayer and that you tell somebody, myself or Pastor Santiago or somebody here, 
share the good news. Share that. Share what the excitement with them that, that you you've given your life to Christ this morning. Lord, for us who are here that know you, Lord, I pray that we've been encouraged, that we've been strengthened, and that, God, we again would be reminded that you've not left us alone, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and, God, that you want to do great things through us, accomplish great things, Lord God, and oftentimes it'll be through our weakness. So, God, we thank you for that message. We thank you for the hope, Lord, that you've given us in this time together in Jesus' name.